Hello and welcome to Inside the Artist Studio. My name is Sean Davis Newton here as per usual for the Cups and Cakes Network. Today I'm excited to share an interview that I did back at the beginning of February with uh, Charlotte Cornfield. You may know Charlotte from her excellent 2021 record, Highs and the Minuses. You might also know her from the glowing Rolling Stone profile she got earlier this year, uh, calling her Canada's best kept secret. You might also know her from the upcoming lineup for Edmonton's Winter Eruption Festival, which she's playing uh, at the beginning of April here. So a uh, good chance to see Charlotte if you are in Edmonton. Uh, we talk all about her, uh, our shared, actually, childhood love of Weird Al Yankovic. Uh, we talk about her, her love for good coffee. We talk about uh, a lot of songwriting technique and, uh, and a really, really great run-in that she had with uh, Jeff Tweedy. As per usual, there is some foul language in this episode, so listener beware. And you can find other episodes of this podcast, as well as other audio, video, and written content over on the Cups and Cakes Network website, cupsandcakespod.com. One more time for the folks in the back, that's cups, the letter N, cakespod.com. Here's my interview with Charlotte Cornfield. My name is Charlotte Cornfield, and I am a songwriter from Toronto. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for uh, coming on Inside the Artist Studio. Uh, where, where, where are you uh, joining us from today? I'm, I'm at home in Toronto, West End of Toronto. Yeah. Excellent. Cool. So uh, we're going to run you through a little rapid fire here, and then we're going to talk a whole bunch about uh, the record that came out in 2021. That's highs and the minuses. Um, and, uh, and then usually to uh, end off the show, we'll play a track off that record. So maybe... Uh, uh, think about what what song you'd want to play at the end for sure yeah cool uh very first thing on the rapid fire then is there a, a specialty dish that you either cook or bake that people associate with you i don't think that there's a dish people associate with me i'm not really known for my cooking but tonight i just ate um like a mushroom cream sauce pasta that my partner actually made, but I, I've made a similar thing in the past. That's something that I really like to eat. <laughs> Delicious. Were, were you always somebody who liked mushrooms, or was that something you had to kind of amp yourself up for? <laughs> um, I was always into mushrooms. I have gained a new appreciation for mushrooms because my partner is vegan, and cooking a lot of vegan food at home mushrooms add so much flavor to things there's so many different kinds of mushrooms and i started going to a farmer's market near my place where they're during the like growing season or whatever there are these mushroom folks who bring the most delicious wild mushrooms that they forage so have gotten into that yeah yeah i was at i was at a greenhouse the other day i didn't realize uh you can now purchase a uh you know, you get like a brick of substrate or whatever, and then you just, mm -hmm. you know, uh, I don't know, I think you soak it and then just kind of hide it away and it'll grow bricks of these, you know, nice, uh, tasty mushrooms. So that's... Yeah, uh, pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, do you prefer tea or coffee? Um, I'm a coffee person. I've like tremendously cut down my coffee intake during the pandemic because I realized it was really affecting my sleep. So I used to be like a three cups of coffee a day person, and now I'm one and a half in the morning, and that's it for the day. 
kind of thing. But yes, I, I'm serious coffee head. Are, are, you, are you picky about either the preparation or, or like the type of coffee? Like, is there a certain thing that you like? I mean, like, I like good coffee, but it's it's more of like, I'm kind of like a dirtbag when it comes to coffee. Like, I'll have whatever <laughs> is available. We make a nice kind of French press coffee and get nice beans at home. But if I'm on the road and all that's available is a shitty coffee, I'll, that works too. <laughs> yeah, it, it does the same thing. You know, whether it's a $7 beer or yeah. a $1 beer, it's, uh, it, yeah. it all does what it's supposed to. <laughs> Definitely. Uh, what's the weirdest job you've ever had? I was a deckhand slash kayak teacher at a kayak rental place on the Lachine Canal in Montreal. And I th- it's which doesn't sound like that weird of a job, but it was weird for me because I'm not, I kind of fibbed my way into it. I'm not a great kayaker. And I, at the time, I didn't really speak French and I was teaching kayaking in French. Okay. So that was, that was the weirdest job I had because it felt like I was stretching what I was actually capable of. Um, but yeah, I'd say that stands out. Did, did you do it for long enough to start to feel comfortable at it? Or was it always kind of like dicey? Um, I, I did it for a couple of summers. Second summer, I felt a bit more comfortable with it. But it was always a bit of a, a bit of a stretch. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what's the first car you ever owned? Funny you should ask that. I um, just got my license two weeks ago. <laughs> oh, damn. Well, congratulations. Um, thank you. Yeah, I'm a t- Toronto city kid. I've just like the only sit- places I've lived are Toronto, Montreal, and New York. And so I've, I mean, aside from touring, it hasn't really been a necessity to drive. But at at this point, like my partner has a car. I was like, I might as well learn to drive it. And it's about time I get my license. Usually there's a lot going on. Pandemic, there's been less going on. So yeah, I kind of, I did it, took some lessons, worked it out. But so I'm insured and I drive now my partner's car, uh, which is a an old Subaru Forester that's uh, manual. So okay. yeah, so I drive stick shift, which is actually fun. And it was, it's been a fun way to learn. And I'm enjoying that like... What should be a teenage freedom of driving myself <laughs> around, but I'm 33. <laughs> it, it's funny. I feel like the big contrast is like, because I'm from Saskatchewan, right? And and so ev- everybody and their dog has a license by the time they are 16, like day of, right? Because you can't, yeah, like, you can't get anywhere, right? Yeah, totally. Um, versus, yeah, you you uh, you folks out east have the have the luxury of. Uh, you know, transit with a bunch of weird people. Um. Totally. Yeah. Public transit rules. I'm such a fan. And yeah, I grew up like downtown Toronto. So to get get to parties in high school, to get to friends' houses, you can just take the subway, take the streetcar. So yeah. Yeah. Uh, what's, uh, if you were to put together a, a bill of, let's say like three bands or something, pick, you could pick any three bands. Uh, what, uh, what kind of groups would you pick? That's a, that's a great question. I mean, it would probably be a pretty, like all over the map, um, genre lineup, but in terms of who I would want to see play a show right now, 
on a bill of three bands. Um, Pharaoh Sanders with Floating Points, Jeff Tweedy, and I don't know. I've been really into this artist, Julia Shapiro. She's in a band called Ch- Chastity Belt. She just put okay. a solo record. Really, really digging her solo record. So maybe those three. <laughs> I, uh, a couple things, I guess. I'm a huge Jeff Tweedy fan. First off, um, great pick. Very good pick. <laughs> um, well, uh, I, I met him recently. Actually. Oh, damn. Oh, yeah. Sorry. I think yeah. I saw that picture. Yeah, it was pretty wild because I had spent the last year, basically December 2020 to December 20 or to November 2021, just on the biggest Tweety kick of my life. I'd I'd been a fan for a long time, but I I just got like really deep and was watching the Tweety show, which is his (laughs) live stream that he does with his family, kind of religiously, just really loving it. I read his memoir, I read How to Write One Song, his book about songwriting, and like started a songwriting group on Zoom with some friends, like based on that book. Yeah. And got re- I read Spencer, his son's book. I just went so deep. And then I had this show in Chicago in November, and Spencer Tweedy's partner, Casey, uh, she was opening our show, and Spencer is in the band as well. And in my head, I was like, there's no way that Jeff is going to be there. Like, I was like, I, I, it wasn't a possibility in my mind. But then he was there and he had gotten a lift with someone. So he like came up to the green room to be like, hey, Charlotte, I, I got a lift and my friend has to leave. So I can't stay for your set. But I just wanted to like say hi and check in and like see how the border was for you and like how your tours. <laughs> and I was just like, holy fuck. <laughs> like, this is just. He was just the nicest guy, and then I told him how much the Tweety show kind of means to me and how how it's kind of helped me get through the pandemic, and then he was like, you got to come downstairs and meet my wife, Susie, so I met her, and they were just like, and Spencer, they're they're just the loveliest human beings imaginable, so that was really a special experience. (laughs) Damn. Well, I'm jealous. Uh... is there a is there a social media account you like to follow that that brings you some joy other than Jeff Tweedy's wife? Um. Um, yeah, I mean her account rules. Um, there's this skateboarder from New York named Beatrice Domond, and she's amazing. She's really inspiring. I follow her Instagram because I love watching her skateboard. So that brings me joy do you skateboard yourself is that a, a thing you've uh, you've you've done yeah so i i mean i'm not like good or anything but i, I skateboarded <laughs> as a tween i was really obsessed with it and then stopped for like 20 years and started skateboarding again during the pandemic so um just very 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 casually working on my little basic tricks there's a little skate park by my house been going now it's winter so i haven't been skating but um yeah i i really love watching skateboarding i really love seeing more uh women and gender non-conforming folks skateboarding these days it's really inspiring to me so yeah it's kind of like an art form i guess that i like yeah yeah uh do you prefer sports board games or video games Mm, definitely (laughs) 
not video games, not a video games person. I wouldn't have said sports a month ago, but I, <laughs> I've been like playing hockey through January with some musician friends okay. a couple mornings a week. So I, I've had so much fun doing that, that, um, I would almost say that over board games, but in terms of board games, it's really kind of word game specific. Like I like Bananagrams, Boggle, Scrabble, Crosswords. Yeah. Have you been doing the Wordle thing? No, I, I, uh, I haven't checked it out yet. I've been seeing everybody post the things, but I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think when I, when I see people post about stuff like that, I always kind of expect that, like, eventually I will get worn down and I will go do it, and it'll be like, ah, so, okay, whatever, that's fine. Um, it's actually very pleasant. It's like a nice, like, five <laughs> minutes every day, because it's not like you can just sit there and do it for six hours, so that's, um, cool. that's a, a big plus. Uh, yeah, it's on my list for this week, so... <laughs> Uh, do you have a hobby or a pastime that people might not expect from you that might uh, might be a little unexpected, I guess? Hmm, good question. I mean, I guess skateboarding and hockey people might not have expected. <laughs> um, but no, other than that, my hobbies are pretty straight ahead. I like reading and writing, watching good things listening to music, that kind of thing, <laughs> walking. Do you, like, do you care about, like, watching hockey or watching sports at all, or is it just the, like, the act of playing it with people that kind of got you, got you in? Um, yeah, normally, like, I don't really watch sports unless it's, in terms of hockey, if it's the playoffs or in sports, if it's the Olympics or a final game, that kind right. of drama. Cause it's a real, there's real life drama. Yeah, live, yeah. And, and I really like that, but I don't watch hockey games during the season or whatever. I find it pretty boring <laughs> basketball. I feel like everyone watches basketball now. And I haven't, I, I haven't watched that much. Like I, when the Raptors were doing really well and won a couple years ago, I watched a couple games. I was like, I should, this is a sport that I could, get behind watching because it's pretty thrilling yeah 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 i think there's something about especially when you're in the city um or, or country or whatever that's like doing well at any given time it's really fun and, and really easy to get kind of caught up in it mm -hmm. which Definitely. um yeah is a, is a fun experience uh is there an album you remember from your childhood that uh kind of clued you into the fact that music can be great like is there something that kind of kick-started that love for you i mean i would say bad hair day by weird al that was the f that was the first album that i ever bought on cassette yeah and i thought it was so much fun and at the time i was so young that i didn't even know i didn't even realize like all the songs were parody songs like i i learned the weird al versions like Amish <laughs> Paradise and stuff before I heard the original. Yeah, yeah. Um of a lot of those things. But but yeah, I loved the the fusion of humor and music. Obviously all those songs are really catchy and that kind of yeah, helped me delve into enjoying music and of course I went on a very, very deep dive after that. Yeah. I think the first CD I bought was Running with Scissors. 
Um, so also on that weird Al train is, do you ever listen to that stuff now? Do you, do you ever go back and kind of see what you hear in it? No, actually I have not gone back. Um, yeah, but yeah. What about you? Um, you know, not, not to the stuff that I remember listening to as a kid, like every once in a while you'll, I'll see something by him and it's like, oh yeah, he's still, I, I imagine him as similar to Jeff Tweedy, honestly, where he seems like he's just a real nice guy. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, I haven't gone back and listened to that stuff. I, I should, that would be, uh, interesting for me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a whole treasure trove. I really liked the... His, um, I guess it's a few years ago now, but when he did his like send up of Royals by Lord as the aluminum foil, that I thought was really, really good. Yeah, that's the that's yeah. pretty much the one I think of when it's like, what, of, <laughs> like, what of his stuff have I heard recently? It's just that song, <laughs> foil. Yeah, <laughs> it's good. Uh, very last question then in the rapid fire. Are there any uh, new or up and coming uh, bands or artists that you, you're really into that you want to kind of uh, talk about a little bit? I mean, there's lots of great songwriters. They're not necessarily like new or up and coming, but they've like put out great records recently and have great new music coming out. Toronto based folks, um, Dorothea Pass, Eliza Niemi. Um, I think Georgia Harmer is super great. My friend Adelaide out of Montreal. I mean, a lot of these people have been making music for a really long time. I'm just um, big fan of what they're doing. Kaya Cater, um, Cedric Noel in Montreal, Hanora. Yeah, lots of great folks. Yeah. Well, uh, we'll we'll kind of move into the second half of things here then, uh, just to, to get it out of the way right off the top, and I'm sure it will continue to come up, but uh, how, how's, uh, how's COVID treating you so far? How, how has that uh, changed everything for you? Yeah, I mean, it, it's been interesting because I feel like everybody's been ha- having different experiences of the pandemic and I've been lucky that I've been able to keep working on music and like I made this record during the pandemic and um, yeah, I feel very fortunate in terms of my experience of the whole thing. I know in general, it's been a time of like huge grief and anxiety in the world, but personally it's been, yeah, pretty quiet, been home working on stuff, just trying to, um, sort of stay productive and stay inspired stuff like that yeah i i see i see a drum kit there behind you as well as some mm-hmm. uh paneling there uh, of sorts do, do you do a lot of recording at home um i'm not like much of a much of an engineer i do a little bit of demoing and stuff but i i re- practice here and um and stuff like that and have yeah, have pretty much a, a full band's worth of gear here that I can play around with. So, yeah, it's been fun. I didn't really, I hadn't recorded, aside from voice memos, much at all before the pandemic. And then um, just by virtue of having time and feeling like I needed to kick my own ass about that kind of thing, I started just, like, learning r- real basics 
Um, but I'm by no means like a a great engineer. <laughs> has that been fun? Like, has that been something that you've enjoyed getting into? Honestly, no. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's not. It's like completely out of necessity. I, it's not my thing. Um, these like like technical shit is just not my thing. Like, I'd rather just like let the feelings flow and write a song and then go into a studio and do it. But that being said, it's amazing to have access to like modern technology, which makes it really easy to quickly record something, make a demo, flesh out some ideas, uh, try a backing vocal, things like that. So I've been really appreciating that. Yeah. Cause I, I'm always curious too, uh, with, with songwriters, like if, when you write something like do you write mostly on on guitar um guitar and piano right kind of like 50 50 yeah. yeah um when you've finished kind of like the the very first step of writing something like you've got some chords you've got a vocal melody you've got some lyrics and like a loose structure can you get that far in without knowing what the rest of the arrangement is going to look like? Or do you like to figure that out even, or do you take things like right to a band and right to players and try to figure it out there? Um, well, I would say that like the music that I've made to date has, doesn't have, hasn't had incredibly elaborate arrangements it kind of focuses on the core of the, yeah, the main instrument, be it guitar or piano or the bass line that's kind of like the backbone of the thing. And so my kind of personal songwriting philosophy has always been, and I'm open for that to change, but this has worked for me, is to make sure the song can stand up on its own with that one part. Right. Um, and that everything else just kind of like helps lift it. So, yeah. So I almost always write in a way where the song can work solo on guitar, piano or whatever. Um, and then if it feels like it's a band number, then I'll kind of build it from there. Do you come from a background then of, of mostly playing by yourself when you when you perform? Like, is is that how you're used to getting these songs to people um honestly i've done a lot of both like i've played a lot with a band and i've played a lot of solo shows and it's like it it, it's kind of like a luxury to be able to do both because i like the freedom and space that comes with doing a solo show but i also like having the band with me especially for the the songs on this new record are pretty band heavy Um, yeah, it's just, I I feel like I'm able to put on a different type of show when I have the band there. Do you feel like you have to, um, like take a different approach in terms of the actual performance when you're, when you're playing by yourself versus with a band, like, um, in, in terms of being able to either like rely on the band for a certain amount of energy or, or like. Um, you know, like talking even during shows and, and storytelling and that kind of stuff. For sure. Um, I would say that when I'm playing solo, I end up doing more stage banter because there, it feels like there's more work that goes into engaging the audience when it's just solo. 
when I'm with the band. Yeah, it's like an energetic organism in and of itself. Right. Um, so, yeah, I would say it's it's definitely different processes for each and, and, uh, and a little more challenging solo. Have you... Um... Have you like honed the way that you pick people to be a part of that band? Like, I, I, I guess how how important to you is it to find like exactly the right people and everybody's on the same page, or, or, or are you just looking for like great players who are like a fun hang? <laughs> um, well, it's it's uh, funny actually because the people who I play with, I've been playing with them all for a number of years and have deep friendships with everybody but don't have i I mean there's there's people who like my friends sam and steve who are like almost always there when i play shows but it depending on who's available um i have a slightly rotating cast of people but i guess the through line there is that they're all good friends who i for me it's just really important as a kind of like anxious person to feel really comfortable around the people I'm uh, making music with or else I'll be holding back a little bit. And so everyone I play with, like, yeah, I guess we all know each other really well and we have kind of simpatico musical interests and we know each other's styles really well. And I guess I ask people to play like based on my knowledge that we kind of like understand the vibes that we're all going for yeah so let's uh we'll kind of dive into highs and the minuses here a little bit um you mentioned that um a lot of the writing started kind of in the pandemic times um did you have anything before it it kicked off or, or was it very much like all of a sudden you're left with all this free time and um you know here we go Um, I did, I, well, the one, the sort of oldest song on the record, the only one that was fully written before 2020 is Drunk For You, which I wrote and then kind of, it fell too raw at the time, so I sort of shelved it for a couple of years. But that was the one that was done before, and then the first one I wrote kind of like specifically for this new record was Modern Medicine. And that happened actually in March, early March of 2020, I was at the BAMF Center doing a songwriting residency. And because of COVID, we were sent home uh, two weeks into it. It was supposed to be three weeks long. But I, Modern Medicine, I finished while I was at BAMF and that kind of like, I was in this vibe of getting excited about writing and knowing that I wanted to write a new record. So when I came home and had a completely blank slate of, nothing going on. I just delved into songwriting, but I think it was like the inspiration of being at Banff and being in that headspace already made it easier, made it easier to go there. Yeah. For previous records, are, are you someone who would, um, kind of like a block out a bunch of time you know like the the classic uh kind of cliche go go write a record in a cabin in the woods for three weeks or it was uh more kind of you know squeezing it in where you can and working on it as much as you can between everything else i think before this record my approach was always very 
um, just let the songs happen and they'll flow out in those moments when they're supposed to. And part of that was because I had, I was, I was working full time from 2015 to 2019 running a music venue and yeah. And so I would be writing in the kind of spaces in between things anyway. And that was like a sort of meditative activity for me, but this is the first time where it's happened as in this chunk of, okay, I'm spending this time writing a record. In the past, it's been like, okay, well, I'll just write in my free time. Yeah. And when I have what feels like a record, I'll go make a record. <laughs> but this was more deliberate. Is that kind of like um, schedule? Like, because I, I think about this all the time, just, you know, like I, I'm a songwriter and I'm working a full-time job for all intents and purposes. And I feel like it's easy sometimes to think, oh, well, if I could only just have somebody pay me for six months, I would stay home and do this all the time. And that would be amazing, right? Um, and then I think there's this other voice that's like, no, like you need to you need to do other things and like have that time that you sit to write feel like kind of special, if, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Is... is is the way that this record came about something that you would like in an ideal world want to just continue working in that way? Definitely. I think I really like being deliberate about now that I'm kind of like in in my thirties and more of an adult or whatever. (laughs) I like being deliberate about my time and carving out time specific to writing and reading that Jeff Tweedy, how to write one song book inspired me because he's very diligent about writing like when he's not on the road he goes to his studio every day and spends like eight hours there writing which I like I mean I wouldn't I don't have the attention span to do that (laughs) kind of thing but just going and making the space treating it like a job for me now it is a job so yeah so it feels good to be deliberate about those chunks of time because otherwise it can be very easy to get distracted by admin and the minutia of life and the emails coming in and everything else yeah yeah so w- when did you actually start like tracking in earnest for the, for this record then we tracked it like in a five day period basically end of august 2020 into the first few days of September. But prior to that, I spent some time like demoing and arranging the tunes. Um, but in terms of like tracking the actual record, it was, yeah, just in that five day period in Montreal. Do you like to be fairly in, like involved, particularly after the tracking is done? Like, do, do you like to, you know, give lots of feedback on mixes and, and, um, and like production notes, is, is, is that something that you try to keep a really close eye on? Yeah, I, I definitely <laughs> do do all those things, but I don't know if I like doing it. It's incredibly stressful and there are many <laughs> sleepless nights involved. Like, should I bring the bass down in that mix? But yes, I, I uh, on this record in particular, was very involved in that process. Every little detail um, I kind of thought about and was giving notes on so yeah definitely definitely very involved yeah uh that i was i guess curious too about when the polyvinyl thing came about like was that 
during the process of working on the record or kind of after you had finished that? Yeah, so it was after I had finished the record and I knew it was going to come out on Nextdoor Records in Canada um, yeah. because they had put out my last record, but was kind of had been feeling like it would be awesome to get a U.S., kind of some U.S. momentum behind it. And a friend of mine, uh, who's also friends with someone at Polyvinyl, sent the album to her. Um, and she, uh, this person, Natalie, who's amazing, who I love, she, she uh, got really excited about it and then sent it to um, Mike and Mallory from Double Double Whammy, um, which is an amazing label out of Brooklyn that's kind of like, they're, they're basically back-end partnered with Polyvinyl and they gotcha. wanted to yeah co-release the record so they kind of like the record came out on polyvinyl and double double whammy in u.s world and on next door in canada is there something about like um you know cultural differences between canadian and american bands that makes it um difficult to break into the states because because obviously i think there's this whole thing about well the states is just a, like a massive massive country right and so you're competing with this like huge volume of music but i think there's also lots of documented examples of like bands that are huge in canada that don't really necessarily take off yeah i, I think there are definitely some i mean there are a lot of bands from canada that do and and songwriters from Canada that just in terms of people popping to mind besides the obvious like Drake and The Weeknd <laughs> but pe- people like Always and Andy Schaaf and Lee Fallback and Adelaide and stuff I think all of those people make music that kind of like transcends time and space yeah and is very much just it, it it's kind of timeless like it's just great songwriting that being said, not all great songwriters like get opportunities to play in the U.S. I think there's a lot of like like anything in the music industry. There's a lot of um, mysteriousness, and some things that are great don't get a chance, and some things that aren't that great do. And my personal philosophy with the whole thing has just been to do what I love to do, stay true to what I want to make and, and keep doing that. And now I feel like fortunate to have, to be able to play some shows in the U S and have the record come out there. But back to your question, I think there is some music that is just very of Canada right now or whatever yeah. that d- doesn't seem to strike a chord with folks in the U S. And I think there is a little bit of a sensibility thing in my experiences, like living down there and playing down there and touring, um, people are more straight ahead, straight shooters, no bullshit. Um, <laughs> don't beat about, beat around the bush with things. Like they're not going to be nice to you because they feel like they have to. If they you know, like, people tell it like it is, which I, which I really appreciate. Um, but that's not always the way it works here. <laughs> yeah, I, I think. Um like all of Canada, I think sometimes treats any Canadian artists as like hometown heroes, if if that makes sense. And so there's a lot of like, um, just being excited that someone's doing their best, you know? <laughs> um, 
and, and then and then also uh, you know canadian audiences i think just like to know that bands are from canada and they get really pumped about that yeah and th- there's a lot of factors at play there there's like crtc cancon for sure regulations um there's grants which the <laughs> u.s just does not have yeah so there are grants everywhere from grants to make a record or go on tour to like grants for an entire operation budget for a label for the year kind of thing so don't get me wrong grants are amazing and i personally have (laughs) had like having access to grants has like been amazing and it's a really great thing about um living in canada but I think without access to those kinds of supports, there's no room, there's not as much room for, um, yeah, for kind of like bringing people up for being like, like I'm just thinking about all the all the prov- provincial granting s- systems and, and how, you know, you said you're from Saskatchewan, like Saskatchewan has like lots of provincial money to throw behind yeah. getting artists which is great to go play in toronto to go showcase in the uk things like that um but i think there's just a different sensibility when that's when that stuff is not at play and i think that's one of the fundamental differences yeah uh, kind of uh, one last question here before we uh, kind of get to the end of things um it seems like with this record you have gotten a lot of like really awesome press coverage like the rolling stone article is really really cool um the 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 polyvinyl thing is really great um you met jeff tweedy that's awesome um, <laughs> is 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 like is there a point either in the process for this record or like you have like a deep discography too you've been doing this for a long time is is there a point where you start to feel like oh like i'm doing this now like i i've i've gotten to this point um or or are you still chasing that in some way i think like the nature of being a songwriter is that you're always chasing something (laughs) um and what i i just feel the thing i feel most grateful about right now is just being able to to do this to like share my music and have amazing people kind of like behind it, supporting it. Um, it just feels like, yeah, I, I just feel really super lucky and, and to be able to kind of like sustain myself off of that. Um, but yeah, there's my life in music. There's never been a moment where I'm like, Oh, everything is changed. Everything turned around <laughs> and like things are, Things are like going way up real fast. That's just not the way, <laughs> not the way that I've rolled. So it's been this like kind of slow and steady thing, and it, um, and this all feels like part of that. And again, I just feel like, yeah, really grateful that, um, that the records resonated, been resonating with people. But I also now just like, yeah, just want to make more music and kind of continue on that journey. Yeah. Well, uh, right at the end of things then here, is there is there a, a track that you would want to play off of uh, Highs and the Minuses? Um, yeah, the, tr- the track that I'm thinking about right now is Pac-Man. 
Cool. So when, when did Pac-Man come about? Pac-Man came about during my kind of pandemic writing phase. And I, I woke up from a dream where I was having like, I was sitting in a backyard talking to like someone from my past who I hadn't seen in a long time. Um, and I kind of, yeah, the dream just kind of turned into this song. And it has fragments pulled from a lot of things, but uh, yeah, it was a fun one to write. Yeah, R- wrote it the Paul McCartney way. Um, woke up from a dream. <laughs> <laughs> woke up from a dream. I can't do his accent. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Well, uh, we're going to listen to a, a song called Pac-Man, which is off of Highs and the Minuses. Um, holy man, it's uh, it's been really fun talking to you, and it's been great s- seeing this record kind of uh, pop up everywhere in in my social media feed at least that's been really fun so and it's great it's <laughs> cool. an awesome record everyone should go listen to it um thank again you. uh that's called pac-man it's from highs and the minuses um thanks yeah thanks so much for sitting down to chat thank you yeah thanks so much for asking me this has been fun
Inside the Artist Studio is produced by Sean Davis-Newton for the Cups and Cakes Network. The featured track, Pac-Man, was played with permission from Charlotte Cornfield. Thanks to Laundry Week for the use of their song, Nothing On My Mind, from the Grimpy EP as both our intro and outro music. Inside the Artist Studio is one of the many ways the Cups and Cakes Network highlights Canadian music. Visit our website, cupsandcakespod.com, to browse our audio, video, and written content. That's Cups, the letter N cakespod.com. Thanks for listening. <laughs>